Hi guys, it's Emma. Welcome to Stargirl. Today is June 6th, 2022, and I'm re- recording in the evening today, so it's not too hot. The sun's already down. Um, it's 71 degrees in Brooklyn, New York. Clear skies. Um, yeah, how's it going? Start of a new week. I'm feeling pretty calm this evening. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about this episode. I, um, found that I had a lot to say really easily. And, um, this week I'm going to talk about Gia Tolentino, the, um, New Yorker staff writer who, um, really was in her heyday from maybe like 2018 to 2019. Um, yeah, it, it was cool to prepare for this and to transport myself back just a couple years. And, um, realize like yeah how much of my analysis of her and of that moment was like you know stored and cataloged and ready to go and then and then also just how much has changed um both in the kind of climate surrounding the writing that she does and um just I guess in myself as well um but yeah anyways excited to um excited to unpack (laughs) um as with last week, I do have um, some some Stargirl news. I had a host of Addison updates that I wanted to give again, and then I was like, okay, I can't just be giving, I can't just be doing Addison updates every single week. But luckily, this has been a big week for Stargirls worldwide, so there's several things to touch on. Um, one... Audrey Gelman turned 35. (laughs) She had her 35th birthday party. Um, And yeah, it was nice to see. Um, As I mentioned in the episode I did on her, she's not that active on social media anymore. She's, um, she hasn't posted on her grid in like years. Um, But she even really posts on her story a little bit more of late because she's, um, you know, promoting her store. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see just like her, I don't know, just normal social media content from her posting live from her birthday party. And, um, and oh yeah, Audrey had, um, she had her hair out. She like, it's curly. I, it was very relatively recently that I even learned that Audrey Gelman had curly hair because she always wore it straight. So anyways, you know, if you remember, I was talking about the high artifice time of, 2016 to 2019 at the height of the wing and um obviously Audrey has relaxed along with the times (laughs) embracing that pendulum swing and letting her hair out um anyways what else oh uh Emily Weiss is stepping down (laughs) as the CEO of Glossier and she's going to become the chairwoman and Cheryl Sandberg is leaving Facebook. And I did not even know that she was like engaged again, apparently for like years, but yeah, she's getting married in the fall. Um, so that was nice to see. That was like, so, so tragic when her husband died that I don't, I can't even remember how long ago that was, but it was really, yeah, that was, that was awful. So I'm happy that she has found love again she can leave the workforce and just well who knows what she'll do i think i guess she has a foundation or something but she's moving on um which that's um good for her um of course i do have some addison updates um (laughs) i mentioned last last 
episode um how like fun and just like back to normal and happy her um all of her content had seemed and it's just continued and uh, particularly I wanted to note um I you know I was talking about on the episode that I did with her how she does kind of like that she was kind of reminding me of Sophia Loren and that was pretty random I mean I could have picked like Sophia Loren was like one of many kind of like classic sex symbols that I could have picked um that had just come to mind in that moment of um, a comparison to make, but Addison posted this, um, this little photo shoot, um, last week now, I guess, yeah, May 29th, um, where she's in this, like, high-waisted, black and white checked bikini, um, and she, and, like, on the rocks, and then, like, in the ocean, and, um, she actually, it really, really reminds you of Sophia Loren now, she's just, like, I don't know, something about, just like this cut of suit on her and um especially the first picture in the swipe through where she's just like on the rocks and um looking up at you and then if that wasn't enough um just a couple days ago she posted this um this swipe through of her on a on a horse and i cannot stop thinking about it this i can't even tell you how many times i like re-navigated back to this carousel to look through it um yeah, she's, I don't even know where she is, but she's on some kind of like deserted ranch and then like in the forest down to a river and in these kind of like foothills and yeah, it's kind of like, you know, low, still, slightly muddy water and all these kind of like overgrown trees behind her and she just looks so majestic and like and happy. Yeah, it was really like, wow, this is where you belong, like yeah it was it's amazing anyway so yeah just good good to continue to see her um on the up and up and uh yeah who knows you know the boyfriend hasn't been omar hasn't been in any of the any of the pictures that she's posted um but i don't think that they're broken up i'm not sure i don't care to comment (laughs) i follow this account called like Addison Ray dot Omer updates or something, and they've <laughs> still been posting some like Addie liked Omer's post or like whatever. So I don't know, whatever. We'll see how it all shakes out. But I do feel bad because I think I, I was a little like overly reductive in that episode of trying to pin whatever I was feeling about her on on him, which I like don't I don't even know enough about like him or what vibe he's trying to portray that to like be to have kind of like uh snappy or close analysis around him and their relationship. I was just like, uh seems weird, chow. But um anyways, but this is actually the perfect time to introduce you guys to my theory of ripe and dead. Um, because this is just a better lens through which to like view that offness about Addison's posting for a while that I was trying to explain. So essentially this, um, this framework that I've developed are that there are two types of girls, ripe and dead, and both are equally sexy or at least have the potential to be equally sexy. And, um, but the, the key is just people really need to be in tune with which pole they have like a natural propensity toward and then just like run with it and play to their strengths. So like obviously Addison is ripe, right? Like I think the best way to like to even get a sense of what I'm trying to talk about 
get a sense of what I'm trying to talk about is if I um, just like give a bunch of examples. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to open my Instagram and scroll and the celebrities that come up, I will place in a category and it's, it's, it's really immediate. So you'll see what I'm talking about in short order. Um, okay. So Addison is right. Kim Kardashian is right. Zoe Kravitz is dead. Kendall Jenner is dead. Sydney Sweeney is ripe. Olivia Rodrigo is dead. Bella Hadid is dead. Cardi B is ripe. Dasha is dead. Scarlett Johansson's ripe. <laughs> Martha Stewart is ripe. Okay, are you guys getting the distinction? It's not as clear cut. As, it's like, I think at, at first blush, it can kind of seem like um, light versus dark or even kind of like curvy versus thin. And I think oftentimes those things shake out that way, but it's it's not, it's not always, um, like, I don't know. It, it's not that literal, really. It's just like the effect that they give. Um, so one, this is kind of random, but like one way that I think about it is like, if you take the two rose emojis, one, the one that is like in full bloom and is like up straight and kind of like, you know, you know, uh, protruding in a sense right it's very kind of like forward up and out energy and then the rose that's like wilting and dying and that's much more just kind of like um sultry and inward and like back and down I kind of think so if yeah if you just think like blooming or retreating a little bit is one way to think about it um as soon as this came into my head it it is a little bit dangerous because it can, can get very addictive and you're just like you just suddenly want to like categorize all of your friends and blah, 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 blah. But thankfully I have, I do have very, um, patient and, um, trusting friends who are along for the ride. Um, but anyways, okay. To the reason that I bring this ripe dead <laughs> binary up is because, um, the, so like I said, both ripeness and deadness have the potential to be very sexy, very evocative, not gross seeming. But it's when you see someone who is naturally one of them trying to do like toward the other pole that it just can be like off-putting, creepy. It's just, it's just, it feels just very, very wrong instinctually. And I think that this is like what, um, what I was kind of feeling about Addison's content and her vibe a while ago where I was just like, this doesn't even like seem like you. And like, this is, this is weird. You know, you are very like light bright ripe and to be kind of like dark and you know kind of like yeah it it just feels very put on um to try to for a naturally ripe person to appear dead you know and this is like the same thing that's going on with like julia fox right now right like someone who is naturally ripe and now they're trying to like uh they're trying to portray themselves as dead and it's just like it does it it does not work it always just is extremely off. It's not something you want to get closer toward. And conversely, right? Like if you saw like a uh, Kira Knightley dressed up as a Playboy bunny for Halloween, like that, it would just be extremely wrong. You know, it's just like, it kind of, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's very abject. Um, sorry, that was, <laughs> that was like the randomest situation I could have pulled out of my ass, but, um, I think you get the picture. All right. Um, okay. Well now, now that, now that dead and ripe have been established, um, I think we can, we can carry that with us as, <laughs> through our analysis. Um, what other Stargirl news did I have on the docket? Oh, I actually don't really have anything to say about this, but um, the 
Emrata went on Z-Way's show. So that was just like, that happened right after I did the last episode. So I didn't even watch it. I just saw some like clips on TikTok, but um, I don't know. It, it seemed a little bit awkward. I feel like the, the Z-Way's bit is getting a little bit like one note. So I don't know. I think they, they got up. It doesn't seem like the, they're getting much like traction or like shock factor out of it. And I don't know. Anyways, I mean, I shouldn't even be talking about this because I didn't even watch it, but it happened. If someone wants to go look it up and let me know what's going on with it. Oh, and then the last thing I, um, so I saw Pamela Anderson in Chicago, the musical this past weekend, which was great. Um, she, uh, was playing Roxy Hart for like this limited run of it. So I don't know, just, just cool to see her on stage. She has such a great presence and just like, uh, she's so cheeky. I mean, obviously she's playing Roxy Hart, but, um, so like, playful and flirty and annoying and yeah it was like it was a great role for her and she looks amazing um so yeah anyways that's my starkle news for the week oh the other thing is that i kind of wanted to revisit the like working definition of star girl that i presented at the outset of of this project um one because i've just like i've done some thinking about it and then also a lot of people have like asked me to kind of get closer to it um and so i've developed some more um criteria uh that i want to share um these are in like no no particular order but um a star girl is someone who disrupts the piece in some way um so we, you know, we've already established that it's someone who like stands out that is peerless. But I think, um, a step beyond that is it's not just like the, the best of a type, but it's actually someone who is disruptive, whether intentionally or not. Um, and I think along with that, a star girl is, is brave actually, like, um, whether she, whether or not she is right in her project or what she's putting forth and whether or not she succeeds at it you you have a feeling about her that she is brave you know even if it's just like wow cringe foot in mouth like whoa it's like there's an ability to handle um not only criticism but like outside perceptions of failure and they kind of just keep going you know there's this kind of like immunity to um yeah, like, like they don't like stop or buckle, I guess, in some way, you know. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I think a star girl has like a latent sense of self-importance. Um, so this is a reason that um, they are often kind of unlikable or um, at least kind of uh, challenging characters. I think a star girl is someone that you might have the feeling of like, who gave you the right um, to do this? You know, you might feel kind of like they didn't earn their spot and why do they have this? like self-importance that has, um, or that their self-importance is like the only thing that, um, that got them a spot. Right. So this kind of like a, a sense of kind of like entitlement and, um, unearned confidence or something is something you might feel about them. Um, but I think like a, a struggle is also often more than the sum of her parts. So, right. She, she's someone that, you know, people will try to kind of break her down and kind of be like, she's not even that pretty. She's not even that smart. Her stuff actually isn't that good, you know, but then it's like, it doesn't end up mattering because she has this like larger effect that is granting her this audience, um, and this attention, um, that I think, you know, people will really, 
spin their wheels trying to get to the bottom of and it's kind of um it's i mean it's a lost cause because yeah they they've got they've got something special and you know one thing that has come up multiple times is people have asked me like what's the difference between a star girl and an it girl and this was like uh yeah this was like a semantic issue that i hadn't given any thought to and i but i did now um I think that in general, an it girl is more likable um, than a star girl. So kind of less offensive, right? In in the spirit of a star girl being someone that you might feel like, oh, they didn't earn their they didn't earn their spot. An it girl is more like, oh, they earned their spot, you know. So still that kind of standoutness, that peerlessness, but um, for some reason is not also inspiring these this sort of um, contempt. <laughs> um, and, um, I, and I do think that some people are, I don't, I think that some people can be both. Like I think, um, Gia, who I'm going to talk about today is totally both, but like Addison is a star girl, not, not also an it girl. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like one way of thinking about it is like an it girl is a star girl without all of the hassle. Like an it girl is much more careful um and there's not a lot of like pr or controversy that like naturally kind of finds her um so anyways i don't know and yeah this might all change but these these were the thoughts that i was that i was having about it um okay so today i'm going to talk about gia tolentino um who is a staff writer for the new yorker and she was kind of like the you know, the, the darling of the media world, um, at least at that level, right? New Yorker staff writer, um, um, or like, I would say the height of her career was like 2017 to 2019. Um, she still is working. Um, I'll talk about all of this, but, um, the, what I'm going to try to like zero in on is, um, her persona and the feelings about her in the culture from, this period of time um um so Gia was doing like um just kind of pop culture criticism um with you know like mixes of reporting and personal essay um she wrote a lot about like music and um kind of like poppy literature of the time and a lot about the internet um she wasn't like a super controversial writer like she she's not like a provocateur by trade um but nonetheless i think uh she i mean she just generated a lot of conversation and people had a lot of um strong feelings about her and the way that she presented herself um and yeah she's uh another person who is very um important to me very formative um person in uh, my decision to, to like want to be a writer and to want to do write cultural essays. And, um, like I said, she was kind of at the height of her fame the first year that I was in New York, um, in a graduate writing program. Um, and so, yeah, she just, she really loomed large, um, in, I mean, in the public consciousness and like for me as like, um, like kind of like the most, uh, mass market success story of like what, um, me and some of my friends were modeling ourselves after. So, um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, 
uh, mini biography on Gia. So um, she, her parents are Filipino and she was born in Toronto and then grew up in Texas. Um, and she went to UVA, um, University of Virginia. She, she famously got into Yale, but I think like she, it was like she couldn't afford it or something. And um, she went to UVA on a full ride. She was a Jefferson scholar there. And she studied English. After college, she did the Peace Corps, um, and and I don't actually have any idea what her like project was. I feel like I should know this, but anyways, but I know that she didn't finish her term. She's like talked a lot about the the guilt she kind of felt um, around coming home early. Um, anyways, and then she did an MFA at uh, University of Michigan, um, and. Um, thereafter she, she started writing essays for the hairpin, which is this kind of like feminist, um, magazine. And, um, then she was at Jezebel, um, where she was an editor and then she got tapped for the New Yorker. Um, so she's 33 and she became a New Yorker writer, staff writer in 2016. So she was like, really young and and not that that's unheard of for the new yorker but um she was definitely kind of the you know like the the millennial voice that they tapped you know she she was like the dispatch from the youth um for the majority of her time there um so yeah like i said writing about pop culture the internet um and um the you know i mean part of it is to talk about her like prose style is a little tricky because the new yorkers house style is so kind of mixed down given that Gia has um she does I do think that she has a, a distinctive um voice um it it helps that topically um the the kind of like world that she was illustrating um was really was pretty n- narrow I mean it was broad in the sense that she um allowed herself to tackle like a huge range of like mediums right so she would write about music, books, fashion, politics, um, like memes, like, you know, like she had such a huge, um, pasture. (laughs) Um, but like the, the aesthetic world building that she did was like pretty intact and right there, there was like a through line. I mean, like, I guess one way to say it is like, she's just writing about her interests and she was very like, she was properly reflective of a certain like Brooklyn milieu. And so therefore, despite the, the, the range in topics, it actually was very, very narrow when you look at it through kind of just like a cultural lens. Like these are just all of the conversations that she and people like her were having at this time. Um, so here, I'll just read a list of like, (laughs) things that of topics that Gia Tolentino wrote essays about for the New Yorker um again this is this is between like 2016 and 2019 okay uh fire fest the Bill Cosby trial um <laughs> the large adult son meme era Eve Babbitts um Jenny Zhang Sourheart Julian Baker um the death of the personal ethic essay boom perfume genius the kind of me too bleed out and like shitty media men list the end of the all um like millennials and houseplants shen yun outdoor voices the rise of vaping and then she also has like the death of vaping (laughs) um about my year of rest and relaxation the brett kavanaugh hearing 
um, the soundtrack to Hustlers, Reformation. <laughs> Did I already say Shenyun? <laughs> or like the campus rape crisis when that was like a really big conversation. Although like uh, then like Poison Me Daddy rhetoric, Ocean Vong, the My Wife meme, um, Cats when it became a movie. Oh, and then and then her Instagram face one, which I feel like came out like right before the pandemic. Um, but I, I see that as kind of like um, a, like an unresolved crest of hers as <laughs> her Instagram face. And then it was like pandemic and then her vibe has kind of changed. Um, but anyway, so I hope that that kind of like that kind of paints a culture. Um, I think of this as kind of the big thiefification of <laughs> culture at this time. You know what? Wait, actually, I think she... I gotta look this up. I think she wrote an essay on Big Thief. I'm sure she did. Yeah, of course she did. The Ordinary Brilliance of Big Thief. How could she not? Um, anyways. Um, but yeah, so it's it's this very um, casual but politically activated time, right? Um, so this is like pre-pandemic. Um, this is kind of like later Trump years. And, you know, she she's she's not a hysteric, right? She's kind of like, um, mediating hysteria, you know, and kind of like asking, um, like smart and considered questions against the like extremes of the hysterical reporting. Right. So, but I do think that the casualness is very integral to this world that she built. Right. So it's, this is distinctly before the like kind of you know, so-called return to opulence that we're kind of having now. Um, this was when we were like swinging hard into just um, laid backness, effortlessness um, with the way that we were comporting ourselves. Like I think this is like this is the time when like all girls are always wearing sneakers as an example. Um, so yeah, I just feel like like from a article assignment point of view, Gia really, got it right like in many ways she kind of um correctly drew the boundaries of this world for the audience that she had at the new yorker right so she's not getting like super in the weeds into all of these like small scenes and i don't think she was like particularly interested in doing that she's not like an edge seeking person right like i said at the beginning she's not like provocative by nature but she's just kind of like you know um she did like pretty well animate this world of like not basic basic Brooklyn (laughs) like um I think of the you know like I said you know woke but anti-hysterical just kind of like weed smoking vibey concert going big group energy um but also kind of bordering on the like sexless Fort Greene couple vibe too so um yeah no kids yet many people partnered up and still you know still has this air of like messiness and youthfulness to them but um uh not in a decadent or um like aggressive way at all um yeah like yeah not not sex forward, not edgy, just like relaxed and approachable, you know, and and then also like a little bit twee, not, not twee in the like bespectacled analog media way, but in kind of in the like feigned, like I'm shy 
way and not Gia I don't think Gia is <laughs> she has no shy vibes um but like the type of girls that she came to kind of like uh represent or at least like draw the boundaries of their kind of like cultural consumption um like I, I think of the kind of like like I don't want to be perceived or that or that um the like no stop don't kill yourself you're so sexy aha that kind of tweet era that like um anyways and 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 so Gia's writing is not like concerned with kind of like calling out or like making explicit these kind of like types you know like she she's kind of like at a higher altitude than that where she's just um engaging with the kind of like artifacts of culture that populated this world um and but I feel like you know even in her attempt to like uh critique the kind of the zeitgeist she she was reproducing it um which isn't necessarily even a knock against her right like she but she like her persona actually did feel like a good representation and a good just like a vessel for this time like yeah I, I don't I do think that she represents it well I don't know I think in general just like she's elucidating and reflecting at once this kind of like one step beyond mainstream um like ideas or affect but not in a way that is like abrasive really to anyone um like nothing that she was nothing that she said was ever like shocking or um kind of like a, a big pr red flag um and yeah i don't know when i was thinking back on this i feel like she's um it's almost like her her essays now kind of feel like like pre nostalgia kind of um like they they really represent this um there are people for whom like covid was just like the timing of it was like kind of like an exit from their public life right um so whether just to like their age or like particular concerns that they had or whatever there was kind of like you know 2019 was like the last time where they were really like that they were like really participating in public life I guess um so you know there's kind of like yeah a COVID is the kind of like um the excuse or the turning point for turning inward and just kind of yeah like retiring their youth and debauchery and um yeah so I feel like uh that is to a certain extent like true for Gia and her friends for what I can observe <laughs> um but uh and I think that her writing kind of like uh stands as kind of like a totem to that um those people um anyway so so Gia's persona first of all I, I guess it's important to know about Gia that she is very um like careful I think PR wise like she um is interested in putting forth a persona of kind of like fun and like light messiness but she is not trying to ruffle feathers or shock people and I and then um yeah I I just do think that she is very careful but yeah I would I think of her as like good girl chill girl like um she not but not chill in a way that makes her like too pick me actually like so she's very ambitious very high functioning obviously very successful but also very 
casual and maybe like a bit um disorganized like i feel like she's always was always making reference to her being like incredibly stupid in like all of these other realms and then just like putting words on the page was like the only way that she could like uh showcase her logical faculties or something like that um and you know she is she's kind of bro-y um like she's like making lots of jokes she's very kind of just like down ass bitch energy like she kind of she's i feel like she's very you know like lots of physical energy always like doing things going places just like having a lot of fun um she's not doesn't present herself as like girly or vain at all like she's not um i don't know if i've like ever seen her post like uh just like a hot selfie or like a mirror pic or anything um you know yeah i feel like more often picture she's like stick her tongue out or make like the like a like the hang 10 sign or something i don't know more of that vibe um yeah you know she's she's always just like she's always talking about drugs in her instagram captions but always in a very like fun loving and like somehow it, it actually does seem professional like I remember there's this post where she was like talking about how she lost her wallet or something like on the night of her book launch and she's like but like uh like you're welcome to whoever stole it and like the tiny acid the tiny amount of acid in the coin purse ha, ha, ha. or I'm just like I'm like oh whoa that's that's kind of shocking in this particular way but anyways um yeah she's not like I mean Gia's not like from the underworld at all and doesn't seem I don't know she always she always just actually seemed very comfortable um with herself and so I didn't I don't know she she's just she just actually seems so fun loving like she's always laughing um, and like she's very just kind of like always like LMAO at herself kind of vibe um her style I mean uh I feel like yeah always wearing just like jeans or jean shorts not a lot of skirts and dresses like i feel like she would wear a lot of like kind of novelty t-shirts and yeah just like straight like jeans and um i feel like she's wearing a lot of like beanies and just like kind of random neon and like um you know crop t-shirts and then like tight jeans and um and always kind of like um low flat ankle boots i don't know i don't even know like what they were but anyways um yeah and I mean Gia's like just a really pretty girl she has like especially really great and really white teeth like extremely clean nice teeth and a really good smile um she's like fit but not like in a in your face way and um I don't know I feel like her body and just like her sexuality isn't really something that she's like putting on people's mind um but she is very like crushable kind of like I feel like she was like she probably always had like a million guy friends um and they all like all had a crush on her but like i don't know i guess what i'm, I'm as i'm like listing all of these qualities it does seem kind of pick me but i don't i don't it never really seemed that way to me because she's so warm and forthcoming like nothing felt like even if that is strategic it didn't feel like strategic in a like nefarious way to me or something um, and she's also had the same boyfriend, Andrew, I think his name is. I think they've been together since college, or at least they met at UVA. Um, but, uh, and now they're married, which I'll, I'll talk about um, later. I'm pretty sure he's an architect. And I know they own a house upstate together. Um, yeah, he just seems like sweet. I remember she would always post like videos of him just like chopping wood. 
<laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she has this huge fluffy dog named Luna. And um, they live in my neighborhood. So I would see them um, like pre-pandemic walking Luna. Or like one time I saw them like picking her up and putting her like in a car after like walking out of the vet. And the dog is so cute. It look it's like looks like a cartoon dog. Like um, I don't even know what kind it is. Like maybe like a sheepdog or something. But it has the vibe of a Saint Bernard. But it's not a Saint Bernard or like a Newfoundland or something. You know, that's just like big, floppy, loving, and then like kind of like I feel like the dog is almost like kind of looks cross-eyed sometimes, or it's just like she's very good at capturing like her dog being like actually legitimately funny like this is one thing about you is that i do think she actually just has a good sense of humor like um she or yeah she can like identify like silly things very easily one of which is in the behavior of her dog and i'm like not really a sucker for pet content at all but i'm like wow okay you (laughs) you're painting a good picture um Gia, another extremely appealing thing about Gia is that she has an amazing voice and laugh. Um, her voice is super low and raspy, and she, she actually did some VO work for like some commercials, and and then she was in um, I can't remember which one, but she was like interviewed in the one of the Firefest documentaries that came out like in maybe 2019, um, and yeah, she's just a really good speaker, and like she has a very solid relaxed like um just like competent presence and she she's just like very she's clearly um comfortable in front of like a camera or on a stage kind of like she yeah I don't know I'm just like she definitely has like performative talents beyond writing um so I think that that is I don't know I mean yeah like so many writers and it's just like ah you I don't know. She just has, she has an ease, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, um, what else about her vibe? I mean, I guess she, she is pretty self-deprecating, right? Like she does have like, um, I think she go, takes like great pains to be like really sincere, but, um, and in increasingly so as the years have gone on, but like, but I think in the realm of herself, that's a place where she cannot always like let herself be super sincere so like i do think that like yeah self-deprecation is pretty integral to her persona um um but yeah like i said not aloof very fun and warm seeming um just seems like she's down for a good time i don't know but all of this said there was always something that was a little bit annoying about her persona and it wasn't really something that like we would voice like I would voice like what is what is my problem with her but I could never really like quite pin it down and um I feel like she you know you know it was one of those things where you never knew if it was just like oh well it's just her success like what's annoying about her how successful she is right the one of those kind of things um but like I think I think it was just it always felt a little bit too too like there her she was so like adroit in her um like self-presentation on social media that um you know like she actually was just creating like a really likable persona and I think that like that made people want to like not even peel back the curtain to like what's the real Gia but like it, it it yeah it was just kind of like rounding all the edges on this very real 
type of person like she wasn't in the weeds enough for her um like comments on this world to feel really like ex- like cutting or exacting but it was just really well done for the purposes of writing for the stage of the new yorker um oh one other one other just like way i'm thinking to kind of <laughs> try to describe the persona is like um the register of all of the kind of like bad girl antics that she would get up to was just like actually extremely palatable i don't know yeah but but and even that i remember feeling very irritated by not that i like <laughs> needed gia or anyone to be like harder or something I don't know I think it was just like it made me a little bit like uneasy for it to be like so on the nose and so kind of just like oh like kind of like box checky like I do all the I do all the right and cool things but nothing too dangerous nothing like like the stakes none of the stakes are that high for any of the like boundaries I'm pushing against um but I still like get to reap the benefits of the like proximity to like an edge or something I'm not sure like all of this is kind of like (laughs) none of this is like defensible position but it's just I don't know feelings that I had I guess um I don't know just the type of girl where you're just like okay you you get one more baby's all right location tag before you're getting blocked um but you know honestly I but all in all I would have wanted to be her friend oh speaking of which she had a very intact friend group um that was did a really good job of like making it clear that they were like a four-person friend group who did everything together so um it was her this girl emma carmichael who is the um like the former editor-in-chief of jezebel and she had also worked with gia at hairpin so she like brought gia along to jezebel and they like worked together for a long time and then puja patel who is the editor-in-chief of pitchfork so that was funny to have this like just like perfect (laughs) conde nast best friendship and then this other chick who honestly i don't even know what her actual name is but her handle is luce fiasco which is like we note on that this alone like the the kind of a like pun in handle on is like very of this time like gia's is still gia tortellini it's like so funny okay so anyways so these four gia emma puja and Luce Fiasco were always um, running around town, like just like doing stuff together, going to concerts, like uh, going to karaoke on a weeknight. Actually, there's this amazing video you guys should watch on. Wait, I can't say Luce Fiasco any more times, but I do have to also <laughs> say it just one more time because she posted it. Um, okay, I found it. Um, so it's posted july 25th 2019 and it's this video of gia singing um that dream song he loves you not and i said she has a great voice she actually has a great singing voice too and she's just like she is just honestly so cute and seems like such a blast um so would definitely recommend but anyways yeah i don't know they were all just um like in my mind the four of them are like constantly at pitchfork music festival in paris like dancing to caroline polachek and i actually think it probably only happened once but in my brain i just feel like i was seeing this content like somehow mysteriously like for like a six month period in like 2019 um (laughs) but yeah i don't know can't even knock them because it actually they actually do seem like very wholesome which i like (laughs) um i don't know like yeah especially now like I would kill to see a girl group just like at a 
1975 concert, which another thing they were like somehow always at. Um, so I mean, that's actually content that I need to see. Um, so if anyone is seeing any friends behaving this way, please send it, send it on. Um, yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. I feel like I'm like talking in circles, but yeah, I guess we've, we've established like, yeah, not, not, edgy in her style or her like portrayal of her lifestyle or her politics really but um but like I keep saying like she was really funny and I I do think that she has like um absurdity glasses like do you guys know what I mean but like I always feel this way about people like there's there's some people who kind of just like go through the world with this very innate and acute like awareness of silliness and absurdity and they can just like they just they have the eye for like things that are just off um and um I'm really drawn to people like this and um I feel like well (laughs) that's that I have an, an acute sense of the absurd but um I like a main main like biological drive in my life is to laugh so I'm really again just drawn to this and I do think that Gia has it um just like I think that she sees the world as like a very like uh, as a place to play um um, I don't know at the very least she's good at giving the effect that she doesn't like take herself too seriously um anyways the point that I'm trying to make is that while she's not like intentionally politically provocative because of these absurdity classes she often like kind of will come across stuff or do things that I think that like end up um that that do exist as kind of like shocking or something but she's not doing it kind of on purpose anyway okay whatever the best example of this is she wrote an article on TikTok in like early fall 2019 um and she's doing like a close reading of like funny videos and interviewing the teens who make them but um (laughs) this is insane one of the videos that she mentions in it is this video um of this girl and it's in black and white and she's the girl's wearing um just like a buttoned up shirt and kind of like a blazer or jacket or something. And um, pretty boy swag is playing in the background. And this girl just kind of like comes over, like sits down on a chair and she just kind of like fixes her hair quickly, like brushes up and then like, (laughs) and then like on the, so insane and then like on the downbeat she like she tips her head and then the screen changes and it's like a photo of Anne Frank like the photo of Anne Frank and they look like identical and it's like Gia talks about in the article like screaming the first time she saw it and I definitely have that feeling still so it's just like this is an example where it's like oh whoa like that is pretty like that is pretty like shocking and like ballsy and provocative like video to like bring to the New Yorker and to be writing about but it seems kind of almost just like it's so potentially touchy that it seems like it must have just been almost like off the cuff and the kind of like confidence with which she's just like I'm gonna write about this crazy video that I saw and like refuse to engage in the potential like um I don't know, all of the potential just like mess of that is really crazy. And and this video has been like stripped from the internet. Like you cannot find it 
on, okay, I'm sure someone that's like smarter than me, I could not find it on the internet. The only place that I could find it is still in Gia's swipe through um, where she's promoting that article coming out. Um, so yeah, I mean, don't watch it if it will give you nightmares. Or, I mean, it is actually just really funny and shocking and absurd. And so anyways, that's that. Um, another example of this is she posted this picture of herself like in the subway station from March 2nd 2020 so like whatever a week before like proper lockdown and the caption and she has like her arms out wide and she's smiling like she's like about to embrace someone and she says the caption says me welcoming my coronavirus in right so it's kind of just like there's there is a little bit of just like abandon and like a, a you know apparent unconcern with kind of like carefulness um, so this is what I kind of mean. Like the, these were all the things that were kind of like annoying about her because just when you thought she was just like a PR persona, then she would do things that were like a little just like random or potentially like not PC or something. And then, so, you know, it, like she, she was perfectly crafting someone who was just like not quite a bot you know I feel like everyone really really wanted her to be like a bot in industry plant and then she would just like do something to like that was actually like random and um so yeah (laughs) anyways um but but a big thing to know is that like during this time um like before her book came out which was at the end of 2019 or like summer 2019 um no one with like any leverage was really criticizing her and I actually don't think people were like really criticizing her in general at least not the spheres that I was moving in it was kind of just like um or like not actually like in a real way I think that there was certainly like a percolating annoyance with her dominance but she wasn't um someone that people were like actually openly trying to bring down like I think that there was a little bit of fear and like you know no one was really going to like speak poorly of Gia Tolentino. Um, the, the biggest critique that I um, remember hearing a lot about was that she like never talked about being Asian or made her Asianness really like a central lens of any of her writing. Um, and yeah, I even remember some people saying that they had like assumed that she was white from her writing. Um, so like, yeah, her racial identity was not something that she was really bringing to the table, exploring, like, um, finding kind of like common ground with other people, um, through or with. And, and, it, and it's interesting because I, I feel like a lot of times this critique was coming from people who were, um, like bored by and against like kind of identity politics informed, writing um and I don't know I mean I don't I don't personally have like much to say on whether or not her invoking her heritage would have made her like writing more meaningful or even more like vulnerable or risky um I guess what I appreciated about the majority of Gia's writing which is not necessarily or exclusively related to her not invoking her Asianness often but is that she if at all is that she didn't ever seem to like understand as herself as a victim of circumstance in any way like she wasn't looking for any factor to feel like an underdog you know um she she didn't get like sucked into the tone at the time of making of having to make it so clear that like you are not an oppressor 
you know, like I, like I feel like everyone was really like racing to like tally off all of the ways that w- in which they were privileged, all of the ways in which they were not privileged and kind of just like position themselves as like a vulnerable character in some way. And Gia was not really doing that. Um, so yeah, I, I like respected that. And I think that, um, the kind of like confidence and, um, like, not buying into all of that ultimately gave her writing like much more authority and momentum. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But anyways, that was the only reason I brought that up is just cause I think that if anything, that was the only kind of like criticism of hers, criticism of her that had legs at this time. Um, so then her book trick mirror came out in August, 2019 And this was, yeah, I mean, you know, like instant New York Times bestseller, just a huge, huge, huge splash. I feel like the range of people that were reading it and posting about it. Yeah, just like it was like a, you know, one of the like kind of like celebrity books of that time. Right. I remember like Natalie Portman (laughs) posting about it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. All sorts of people. Um, So it's like. I think it's like nine essays and they're all in these really like kind of like big topics to define a time. So there's like an essay on like the internet, one on reality TV, um, one, um, on like literary heroines. Um, then this one on weddings. Oh, and then, and then her like famous optimization piece where she's, um, that's the one where she's talking about like sweet green and going to bar class and this yeah i think it's called like always be optimizing and yeah so obviously she was already like darling of the media world but when her book came out is when she started just getting like the praise was just like everywhere all the time you know this is when she starts getting called like the voice of her generation the like millennial susan sontag etc etc um yeah and these guys yeah they're all just like i mean i read the topics like these just like massive scape essays you know and and her essays are a lot of research and reporting and analysis and personal essay um I don't know they are like structurally sound in in many ways um and then so like almost six months after the book came out (laughs) to rave reviews like no one saying like it would not dare to say a negative word Lauren Euler (laughs) wrote this like long exasperated honestly kind of like unhinged takedown um of Gia's book in the LRB and this was really like an oh shit moment um I remember the day that it dropped and it was like um I don't know yeah exciting day to be online (laughs) I mean that's pretty depressing but um but yeah and I had been working on this piece in school about um trying to articulate my criticisms of Gia's writing and it like never really coalesced but then when Lauren Euler's essay came out then it helped me crystallize my kind of irritations with Gia which you know I had always been trying to go actually like on the craft level and I was like kind of failing to do so but then I just kind of got the confidence to just do like a, a, a close read on the persona and to kind of like call bullshit on the call bullshit on the like way that she was portraying herself that I felt like was really, um, like I didn't like the payoff of, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think that I, what I was trying to get at is this frustration of this kind of like, uh, 
it's twofold. One, just like this, like I said, signaled vulnerability um, that is still extremely calculating. And then two, this kind of like feigned humility, feigned awkwardness, feigned like, yeah, just self-deprecation when I had all of these like suspicions that Gio was really confident. Not that I needed that confidence to be intact, but that like I was just not vibing with the kind of like, um, yeah, the seeming put onness of her vulnerability, or I was like, I I don't know. It, it, a lot, it just kind of seemed, um, fake to me, I guess. Like, I, you know, I mentioned before Gia's confidence to speak with authority on anything like these huge topics, like the internet and marriage, but then she like, didn't have the confidence to just talk about herself, which it seemed clear was what she really wanted to do. So, you know, and, she talked, ended up talking about herself anyways, but in this too self-aware kind of over-narrated, um, way. Um, I mean, I think this kind of does reflect this moment where people were pretty obsessed with humility and vulnerability and like relatability people were really attaching to. Um, so again, another instance of her attempting to critique the zeitgeist, but actually just, um, reproducing it. But yeah, I don't know. I I think that early on, this was a big learning for myself in my writing. Not that what she was doing was wrong, but that like stylistically and tonally, it wasn't something that I wanted to emulate. Like I wanted to be able to, when I wanted to talk about myself, to do so in a very frank and direct way and not just kind of trying to, not try to, um, use, not try to just like talk, talk about a topic as a proxy for myself. And then my kind of like ideas about myself just kind of leak into the prose, but I wanted to be able to just be like, I'm talking about myself. Yeah. And one of the big themes in Trick Mirror is self-delusion. Like Gia's really obsessed with this idea that she can't trust her perceptions of things, um, which, which maybe could be an interesting cultural comment to be like, oh, in this time of information overload, who's to say if I'm interpreting things clearly, who knows if I see myself clearly. I don't, I actually don't even think that was like really probably that interesting, but maybe, but, um, actually I think the way that she was deploying this was, as kind of like a cop out and makes her writing less interesting. Like she's kind of like, it's kind of like a, this weird built in disclaimer to, um, that ends up just like weakening authority because she's literally telling us like, like she, she doesn't really take a stand on things, which is okay. Like, I don't think it's like, she's not always writing arguments, but I think like, um, yeah, the, her her being obsessed with being confused by her own motives and this feigned like kind of just like over the top bewilderment about the world we live in, like in that in the optimizing essay that I was talking about, when she's talking about sweet green and she's kind of like, you know, she she goes to sweet green every day for lunch or something, and then like one day she's like, oh my god, wait, what am I doing? Like, why look at these like tech overlords who make our like you know like. Uh, templated food so like easy and efficient and like why am I obsessed with calorie counting and like what did I like become like a robot without my consent kind of thing I'm just kind of like is this really the way that it on the ground like you're coming to terms with this stuff it just feels so like um like I just think she's so much smarter than that where she was just like walking through her life and then she's like oh my god wait what you know so um, I don't know. I, I also re- related to this. I remember distinctly in both her outdoor voices and her reformation essays, which are not in the book, but, um, she's like kind of the, the question she's posing is like, are these 
companies like actually ethical kind of you know like if in the reformation case like oh these are all recycled materials but can we still say that like like can consumption ever be ethical or something which is just like I don't know, just not an interesting question. And then kind of like the payoff and how she's putting herself like out a little bit outside of the, the way that she goes about not implicating herself in whatever problem she thinks may be there is that like, she feels like a little like awkward and like uncomfortable in these like really tight dresses and really tight leggings or something. And I'm just like, I don't even buy that. It's like, you, you definitely like fit into a reformation dress what is this kind of feigned like and then i'm like struggling to get the zipper up in the dressing room like i don't know it's just just weird ways to position herself as like outside of the things that she's critiquing like first of all i just don't even think you need to do that you know you can just like have a conversation about a thing and be implicated in it, in it whether you like address that or not but you certainly don't need to like if you were going to decide to be like, okay, and I need to make it clear that like I stand outside of this in XYZ ways, the XYZ that she chose, i.e. struggling to get the Reformation dress on when she's clearly just like a thin and pretty woman. It was just like, it was just weird. I'm like, I don't know what you're catering to with this. Um, anyways, um, yeah, I guess like what I was trying to say is like her you don't even have to look that closely to see that she was writing with about herself, but like she, it seems like took great pains to kind of like try to conceal the fact that she wanted to write about herself. Um, and a lot of people had a problem with this kind of like phantom Gia that would, <laughs> that was lurking in her writing, um, and thinks that she should have just like dispensed with it altogether. Like, I think that's a point Lauren Orland, Lauren Euler made in her big takedown was kind of like she's using like herself as a prison prism for the world or something and that it shouldn't be that way but I don't I don't think I kind of have the opposite view where I'm just thinking that she if she wanted to do that she should have just led with it or amped it up um like I think the way that she used herself in her writing did cheapen it but for the opposite reason like she wasn't present enough um I don't know, like the, the topic just seemed like a decoy for her to talk about herself. So I'm just like, okay, get rid of the decoy. You can just, just talk about yourself, you know? Um, anyways, but yeah, I mean, despite all of this criticism, the book obviously did extremely well. And I think that my sense from my watching very closely her moves online um, was that she got like that it was like a really overwhelming amount of success for her you know it wasn't overnight in the sense that like she had been building this career and getting like you know she had a big big stage and um a huge following beforehand but then it was just like uh a ton of attention and um yeah just a lot of eyes on her all all at once um so just kept writing um and she still is like a she's still an employee of the new yorker but she um it, it has really slowed. Um, if I had a sub-thesis for this next section, it would be that like COVID and kind of the downstream progressive politics from that have kind of like gobbled her up and really like um, turned down the like volume on um, the her kind of like uh, public-facing image. Um, one reason she's like way more like 
kind of chilled out now is that she had a baby. So she got pregnant like right at the beginning or she announced her pregnancy, like right at the beginning of COVID. And, um, I mean, I'm actually going to pull up her pregnancy announcement because this is, you get really like incisive view into people for how they announce their pregnancies. Okay. So, so this, this is March 20th, 2020. Okay. So very, very early. And, um, she, how she announced it was she posted on Instagram, this screenshot of the group chat with those, those four girls that I was telling you about. And, um, I'll just read the back and forth. So the, like, so the first message in the conversation is like a picture of Gia's boobs, like kind of like spilling out of like a tank top. And then she wrote, I feel like my boobs got bigger again. And then, Oh, now I know this girl's name. Luce DePalchi says, hmm, yeah. Then Pooja says, deaf, perhaps you're pregnant. Then Luce says, oh my God, baby Luce is in the oven. Then Gio reacts, ha ha. Then Pooja says, what's the pee strip telling ya? Then Emma Carmichael says, Gia, LOL. And then Luce says, Gia, are you pregnant? And then Gia says, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and then the caption says, narrator, she was 100% pregnant. Anyways, so, um, oh, and then there's a swipe and then it's Andrew holding the ultrasound picture. That's sweet. But, um, it's not, it's not the route I would go. It is a route. Um, anyways, so, and then, okay, I went into, I did not need to like fully do a play of that text conversation, but now you guys know. Um, so yeah, so she gave birth to the baby, I guess that next summer, Paloma, um, another really adorable, really, really cute baby who, who I want to babysit. Um, but I do think that Gia, you know, genuinely did like, just like slow down and is, um, being a mom. I know they were, they spent a lot of time in like kind of proper COVID upstate at their house, but I believe that they're back in Fort Green now. Um, anyways, whatever. So, so that was one element. Um, and then there was also this like, yeah, the, the Gia scandal, basically I can't even like get into the details of it. And also, cause I don't, I'm just like not the authority on any of this, but, um, so basically like someone posted like, a like, I feel like a blog post or something, um, with all of these kind of like, uh, kind of obscured court records, but basically the, it like, it seemed to be pointing to that Gia's parents had been involved in some sort of like human trafficking situation years ago in, in Texas. And, um, I remember when this came out and I remember like my friend sending me it and I was like, Oh my God, like, this is the moment, like she's going down kind of like, so this was kind of like, I mean, the Lauren Euler thing had happened, but I feel like when this came out, that was when we really kind of like reflexively saw the appetite to bring Gia down. Um, and I like surprised myself in the moment with how much I was kind of just like on board. And I really surprised myself now because I think it's like, so, I don't know, just kind of like gross and atrocious that people were, um, like by any means possible, um, you know, like digging through the past to find like records of her parents that like seem like, I don't know how it all shook out, but I know that there was a lot of like this, it was like not corroborated. And then Gia did finally, after like taking so much like heat online, did, um, post a blog post, like on her personal, um, website, um, 
like uh, denouncing any any of those like accusations and kind of like setting the record straight. And um, I yeah, I didn't really I didn't like follow it closely, um, but I think that my impression of it like from a 30,000 foot view was just like, oh, this is something like really ugly and potentially really high stakes and kind of kind of just like, not that these kind of fires don't happen all the time on social media and people go, or on Twitter and people get so ugly and like, I don't know, there's like, despite the fact that at the time I was really like titillated by this, like by this scandal and um, I and kind of like by an opportunity to be like, oh, and, and like, I, you know, we always thought you were annoying, but now you're actually like morally wrong, you know? And like, you like, I don't know, this appetite, this, this appetite that people wanted to, uh, to be able to call her like a bad person and like take down her family is really kind of, um, in, insane considering how not, provocative or controversial her actual writing is you know it wasn't like this was like someone who was like I mean I don't know I was gonna say it wasn't someone who was like pissing a lot of people off for the content of their writing but maybe so or how could we even separate what why people were moved to like dig things up about her but anyway so that's one thing um but yeah, I get the the point with that is that I I do think that that experience like really really humbled her um, or just like made her yeah yeah tur- turn inward share less like be just more careful um, about the way that she was presenting herself and really um, kind of I mean she always had kind of like activisty bent but I think that after this she was really like leading with the like you know, like, I am a good Samaritan with good values. I'd like, you know, that kind of, um, I feel like she kind of doubled down on that or whatever. Maybe she just, her vibe changed. Um, but yeah, she doesn't like post on Twitter, like at all anymore. Um, she hasn't posted like since July, 2020, which is kind of crazy. Um, cause she was very active and jokey and like, yeah, I don't know, just around. Um, um oh yeah I guess to the to the like um kind of like elevated activist vibe for her I feel like now now it's kind of like through this prism of like her own guilt and privilege often she's very very like quick to like I don't know just kind of like put these things on the forefront of um your mind and that's fine in many cases I guess I mean I don't I just I it bums me out. I don't like to see people feel compelled to view themselves through any abstraction, particularly one where you're just like, oh, and I know that I'm bad, X, Y, Z, but blah, 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 blah. I just, I don't, I don't like that posture. Um, and I, I don't like when I catch myself doing that. It's just, it, it seems weird. But um, I think the most egregious example of this, actually, um, the one that like made me sad was her post about her wedding. So her and Andrew did get married this past, um, I think like sometime in the winter or maybe last fall, which is just like exciting and lovely and like amazing. And they posted a bunch of really adorable pictures of her and, um, sorry by her, I mean, Paloma, (laughs) the baby, um, of them all three together, but let me, I'll read you the caption. Um, So Gia says, the most unexpected, strangest feeling thing I did this year was get married. 
like sobbing emoji. After 12 years, Andrew and I finally came up against a health insurance policy that required it. I was so resentful and so irritated, among other things, lol. Avoiding this last corner of normative domesticity had been a useful standing private reminder that I didn't want to locate aspiration or stability or well-being primarily in the individual or the family. I wanted to locate it in the collective. Which, first of all, what? Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, it is totally okay to locate aspiration and stability and well-being in the family. Like, that, I don't know what, that seems insane to me. Um, anyways, next sentence. I hated the idea of doing something in the realm of love that I hadn't freely chosen, and for the gross fact that this country doesn't believe that people are inherently worthy of health care. But we did it. At 169 Bar on a Friday in November with no one there, except, and then she lists some people, and Paloma, who first took her first shot of milk. I cried because I couldn't believe it was happening for all of these reasons and then all of the good ones. I suddenly understood again that because of one's person's specificity, my life had taken a sweeter shape than anything I'd ever imagined. In fact, I'd never imagined anything, and here was everything and more. So the end is very, very sweet. But the whole like insistence on sharing the joy of your marriage and your family through this like guilt and rage at all of these like systems and structures that are like not properly providing for people i just i don't know that it i have a lot of dissonance with that way of operating in the world and it made me sad to see because i don't know i would never want that for myself or like anyone that i love i want people to just be like i'm doing this because it's something that i want and to be okay with that i don't know i'm like um it just it seems very divorced from like like what that experience must actually be i don't i'm not sure i mean i'm not married i don't know but like it seems like like taking something so meaningful and like emotional and and joyful and like stripping it of the like human elements um it's just i don't know it's sad to me and I don't, I don't, I don't like want the world to go that direction, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, so like I said, she is, she is still writing, but she publishes like very infrequently. I don't know if it's like extended mat leave or if she has like other like projects she's like doing that we've yet to hear about or something, but like, yeah, like on the, her, she posts like maybe like one thing every two months or something on the, um, like for the New Yorker. Um, yeah. And I kind of think like not, not dissimilar to what she was doing before, but, um, obviously just like, yeah, she's not focused on like, um, yeah. Reporting out this milieu. Although like to the reporting point, she is doing like a lot more kind of like in-depth kind of reporting stuff. Like she did that big, um, Britney Spears investigation last year with Ronan Farrow. And then she's done a lot on like the Roe v. Wade discourse of late. Um, yeah, the best thing that she did was she did an interview with Candace Bushnell, um, I, I believe in honor of the, like, or, like, news pegged by the fact that um, the Sex and the City reboot came on this year, um, and there's this line in it that, this is not, like, to G's credit, although if she, <laughs> it's really funny, but um, there, the Candace says something to the effect of, like, there's this kind of, like, um, this point in time where women have to like stop doing cocaine and start doing Botox. And it's like, like n- those things cannot happen at once. Like if once you make the jump, you got to like quit the other. So I just, <laughs> that's great. Um, 
but um i mean regardless of the fact that gia when we like look back at gia's career it was really this like two-year period of like 2017 to 2019 or maybe even just like 2018 to 2019 career in terms of like her being at um her her height of her of her star girl essence um but she does like leave a legacy i think um uh of like the voice of that time for sure you know And, and i mean she hasn't been replaced yet really like I don't know there I don't know who is our like main generational correspondent anymore um or yeah so we haven't been replaced by a person in that type of venue or in that mode and I think that there's like yeah I I think like Gia was at her height at a time where media and culture more generally felt very integrated and um everything feels so splintered right now that I don't even know if we could have like I don't know if the like structures we have in place now could support that kind of just like de facto voice you know like there's just like there's so many random magazines that all seem like so just like vague I don't know I'm just kind of like this is maybe a maybe like the co-op model does not work for this kind of thing like I'm I want one chick at the top who we all understand ourselves in relation to like that kind of traditional hierarchy can be extremely useful as just like a social organizing principle i guess um i want to just yeah i don't know um but but beyond that kind of (laughs) beyond that little snark of mine i i do think that gia really was like a leader i think she has like leader qualities i don't mean like you know cutting edge uh like she's not at like the cutting edge of ideas no but like but she has like a leader quality she has like trustworthiness and excitement and like a certain degree of of fearlessness and real bravery um and i yeah i just i don't feel like we have i don't feel like any of the loudest most loudest like most mass market uh, uh voices right now really have the same kind of just like grace and sturdiness that gia has um I do, you know, I do miss her because I looked up to her so much, um, even when I, like, disagreed with her stated politics or, like, didn't resonate with her vibe. Um, yeah, like, she, she actually was just, like, a really good role model, I think, for people to, um, understand I'll just speak for myself it helped me to clarify my own project and my own ideas to have such a like strong and central voice um who was writing topically about a lot of things that I had ideas about um yeah to Gia if you're listening I would say thank you so much um I love your cute little family and (laughs) I hope to I do hope that I meet you someday um and I think that that's possible yeah i hope we can have a little chat you really helped inform my choice to go to grad school to try to do the writing and thinking that i'm doing and i'm yeah i'm very i'm very very grateful to have had you as as a model um like i say in my little (laughs) in my mini hit piece that (laughs) that i published i do want the blondness essay that's one that i do really want um (laughs) stupid speaking of which though there was this like really random um 
there was this article that the New York Times published in 2018 that was like about the so-called phenomenon of Asian girls dyeing their hair blonde. It's literally called Why So Many Asian American Women Are Bleaching Their Hair Blonde, published April 9th, 2018. I, it's just like so weird to me that this was assigned. I mean, I think it's like, I don't know. I, w- I wish I was like had the behind the scenes of this like this coming to fruition. Well, I'm like, I know I was like, wait, was this like an SEO play for them? Like, were they was this <laughs> high search volume? Like so crazy. But anyways, Gia, I think you could do, if you did this as a personal essay and a piece of cultural criticism, it would be so good. So many people are like salivating to to hear this um and you look great as blonde by the way but i would (laughs) i want to know more (laughs) anyways all right uh long one i'm tired it's it's late here um but thank you so much for listening guys and i hope you have a great week happy june and i'll see you next time thanks